Hey folks, welcome to the News Print Commando. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is episode 32 of the show. I'm looking at Samurai, issue number two from Air Cell Comics. Came out sometime in November 1985. An exact uh, on-sale date is unknown at this point. Beware, as I talk about the books, they will be spoiled. So if that's an issue, keep that in mind. If you want to send feedback, you can tweet me at Teal Productions, Teal, like the color, T-E-A-L, or Newspeak Commando. Teal Productions has a page on Facebook. You can leave comments there. You can email the show at imindyman at gmail.com. Leave comments on the website, comicbooknoise.com slash TNC, and those are the letters Tango November Charlie. Or go to the forums at justanotherfanboy.freeforums.net. Now, this issue was scripted for us by Barry and Bruce Blair, penciled by Patrick Mion and Wang Yap, inked by Barry Blair and Wang Yap, lettered by Iwan Mark and Wang Yap. Uh, Mr. or Miss Yap was quite busy this issue. We also here have Roger Cam as a consultant, and special thanks to Mike Reynolds and Sandra Garland. Front cover, I apologize for the sniffing. I'm going through some, some head cold issues here today. Title of the story is Hitler on Hitler's on the charts again. Um, that's on the cover. Nowhere on the inside, so I suppose that must be the, the name of the story. The image on the cover is of our protagonist, Toshiro Kimura, fighting off some Nazis as they're coming up the stairs. He and a child ward that is behind him that I'm going to assume is Simon, which is Dr. Stringfellow's son from the story, are attempting to go down the stairs. And so Kimura has uh, intersected and is combating three Nazis here on the stairs. He with sword, they with automatic weapons. And that's, that's the cover scene. Inside front cover, we see Aircell Publishing and Nightwind Productions proudly presents Samurai, created by Barry Blair. And here's a, a quick penciling and inking of Samurai, again, our protagonist. Creative acknowledgments here also. And then we move to the actual story page. Image of Toshiro hiding behind a tree as he's listening in on a couple guards that are outside the uh, gates of the facility here, and they're, they're talking between the two of them. The narrator tells us, uh, gives us some information that it would have been kind of cool to have last issue kind of flesh things out a little bit more. A week ago, Toshiro Kimura, samurai, was hired by Commander Black of the United Nations space battleship Naganata to find Professor Stringfellow, the ship's weapons and science expert, who vanished while on shore leave visiting his son Simon at boarding school. So all of that. Now we know who Stringfellow is. We know why he and Simon were together, which wasn't given to us last issue. I mean, this is what? Uh, one, two, three, four lines of text that could have been dropped? I don't know. It was later learned that the boy was also missing. A trail of clues led to the Naganata to investigate a supposedly deserted island near Jamaica where a secret underground base was discovered. Now, the last we heard about the boy, he was with the, let's see here, the New Christian Society. Here we find he's locked up in this facility. Not, not sure what happened there. And I believe also, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the base um, in the jungles of Belize or near Belize, right? Now they're using Jamaica as the uh, marker for where it is. Now, it says, okay, a deserted island near Jamaica. So that, okay, I was going to rail a little bit more. But so somewhere in the Jamaica is what? In the Caribbean or if not in that portion of the Atlantic. Um, so now we are much farther away than an island off the coast of Belize, which I think is what the description was. Uh, Belize is well west 
if my geography is holding up, of Jamaica. So why the uh, marker for where this is, the landmark, started out at Belize and then moved all the way east towards the vicinity of Jamaica. I'm, I'm not sure. doesn't make sense. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they forgot that they had dropped that reference in the first issue and went with a different reference here, or uh, maybe that first issue wasn't uh, supposed to be like just a one-off. So I don't, I'm not sure. A little, little oddness there, I think, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Now, if I'm not, somebody somebody correct me. I, I didn't uh, read Samurai 1, uh, reread it, you know, before this, and it's been a little while since I recorded that episode, but I, I believe what I'm recalling is correct. Narrator continues, Professor Stringfellow was believed to be in the base. If the secrets he knew fell into enemy hands, it would be disastrous. Toshiro's mission, rescue Professor Stringfellow or silence him. Now, from last issue, I remember the rescue part, but I, I don't think I remember the silence part. Yeah. So, um, also here, looking at this image that's been drawn of Toshiro, one thing jumps out to me. He's got a uh, rather stylized knee pad that he's wearing as part of his uniform here on the left knee, and there's nothing on the right knee. So, I don't know. Uh, it, it, maybe if he were riding a motorcycle and he knew there were going to be a whole lot of turns one way or the other, you would wear just one knee pad. But otherwise, why wear just one? Kind of doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, we start our story after that first story page there of Tashiro. We cut back down to the beach where off the coast is a small boat on which is Homer Bentley. Uh, turns out to be Tashiro's number one. And King John, who is a Jamaican um, guide uh, that they ran into there in the first issue. And they're both on the boat. They're talking a little bit back and forth. We get a little bit of character development here for Homer Bentley and his relationship with Tashiro. Cut back to the beach or, no, the, the front gates uh, of that facility where we were just at. And we watch as Tashiro in a couple quick panels takes down the two guards one of the guards saying as his fellow guard is knocked out, jumping junipers. And it's an interesting enough phrase that Tashiro repeats it. So I'm, I'm not sure why he felt it necessary to repeat it. And he makes entrance into the facility and finds that as soon as he goes into the doors there, it's a big elevator shaft. So he's going to have to climb down the elevator. Meanwhile, far below in the underground complex, the narrator tells us, we are introduced to some more of our our people this, our dramatis uh, personae, this issue. We have Professor Stringfellow, who we met last issue, Captain Flint, who I don't I don't believe we ran into last issue, and probably most importantly, Dr. Otto Arkoff, who is the... Captain Flint is the uh, head Nazi here in charge of this facility. Dr. Arkoff is the scientific genius that basically the facility revolves around to give him support for whatever the experiments are that he is doing. Those experiments, I believe, turn out to be further work on his cloning techniques that he is attempting to perfect, but we see a little bit later on that he was involved in the Toshiro Hotachi uh, cloning, and in Hotachi, the cloning seems to work well, so I'm not sure what it is that Arkoff still has to work out. So now we see... Uh, Dr. Arkoff and Professor Stringfellow start to go back and forth a little bit because Arkoff now has Simon 
as I said, the new Christian society, I think, is where he was last issue. But now he's in this facility undergoing some sort of, like, forced brainwashing, you know, where they'll sit him in a chair and put a funky helmet on their head and, and hit him with some kind of psychic juice to brainwash him. That seems to be what they're doing with uh, Simon here. And Dr. Arkoff has his, his own plans about what he's going to do with Simon. Turns out that Stringfellow is a, a fairly financially well-off man, and so Arkoff intends that when they have Simon fully in his control, that they will kill Stringfellow. All of Stringfellow's money will pass to Simon. Arkoff, uh, being in control of Simon, will then tell Simon to use the money in ways that he wants, and so he'll ultimately gain all the money that Professor Stringfellow has. During these couple, yeah, couple pages, we have some, you know, back and forth about the evil genius, <laughs> and the, oh no, dad, kind of back and forth, you know, so that's basically what the, and I, and I, I play it up kind of in a mean humor way, but that's basically that's what's going on. Not anything that we haven't seen before, like you know, I don't know, a thousand times, but that's that's what's going on. We cut back to the Naganata where uh, Commander Black and Hotachi have caught up with Sally, who we found out was a traitor. And she tells them that uh, she called her superiors on the island where your precious Kimura is and warned them. And Velvet is, what? Sally continues, you heard me. The master race shall rule supreme. By now your ex-lover is history. Y you would think being part of a white supremacist group kind of would have come out in whatever HR interviews that uh, Sally underwent when she got the job on the Naginata. I'm, I'm not sure how you could uh, hide those types of uh, philosophical proclivities, but... Apparently, Sally did, and they, they didn't realize that she was, you know, a member of the master race. Uh, can a female be a part of the, truly a part of the master race? Did, uh, or didn't they kind of look down on females, too? Huh, that thought just occurred to me. I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe they just use females for spies and breeding, and, and so it's okay to, to allow them into the master race. I don't know. That's kind of interesting, though. Hmm. Okay, anyways, we cut back to this. Uh, facility here on a deserted island near Jamaica, and we see that our hero, Tashiro, has made his way somewhere. Uh, this looks to be like outside, because there's some jungle plants and some trees here, and he's walking around. Kind of like, it looks like a castle kind of thing. He sees coming around a corner here, uh, there's shadows cast on the wall. There's a couple guards that are leading Stringfellow. Interesting, se several interesting things here. First is that I, I thought that um, Toshiro had gone underground in this facility. All of these plants and things uh, that are drawn are, are kind of throwing me off. Also, though, the two guards that are in control of Stringfellow, one of them has a an armless t-shirt on, so he's, he's pretty, or sleeveless t-shirt, he's pretty relaxed, right? So then the other guard has his jacket open so that we can see that he's wearing a t-shirt with a rather stylized uh, Nazi symbol on it. Uh, what is that? A swastika. Rather symbolized swastika on a big circle on his t-shirt. That, I mean, he's, he's definitely relaxed, right? Because he's got his uniform jacket open exposing this. Tashiro jumps out uh, of the shadows and, and takes takes them out pretty quickly and talks to Stringfellow. Says he's going to escort Stringfellow out, but String's like, no, my son's here and I'm not leaving without him. So Tashira tells him, okay, 
you go down to the beach, which is you know where we were going to go to begin with, and I've, I've got some some dudes there waiting, support guys, and while you do that, I'll go back in the castle and I'll get Simon, and then I'll meet you down at the beach, and we'll all have a, a, a luau down there on the beach, and you know roast a pig and, and everything like that. It'll all be cool. We cut back inside, and we see that. Uh, Dr. Otto Arkoff and Captain Flint are still going back and forth about their philosophical differences. Captain Flint being the Nazi military kind of dude, you know, is is uh, going to do things one way. He's in charge and, and the, uh, the what does he call it, master race? Yeah, the master race, advancing uh, the master race is his goal. Uh, Dr. Arkoff is like, oh, you, you know, Nazi military fools. It, it's, science is going to, so they're, they're having that kind of conversation. Meanwhile, Toshiro has found Simon, who's just in the other room, uh, coincidentally enough, with a glass uh, barrier between them so that you can see back and forth, right? So he's trying to release Simon while these two men are arguing, and in the midst of their arguing, Otto kind of looks over his shoulder and sees that Toshiro has freed Simon, and as they try to get away, Toshiro and Simon, Arkoff shouts out, guards, the intruders are here, and Flint um, takes a, a couple shots at him to try to stop him. Well, they round a corner, and Toshiro draws his sword and takes out eh, four guards here, it looks like, and continues running on down the corridor. Curiously enough, as they're running down the corridor, Arkoff and Flint are watching them go, and there's no signs in the corridor of the four guards that they just dispatched, that Toshiro just dispatched. So I guess uh, in, in pursuit, Arkoff and Flint went farther down the corridor than the dead guards that should be laying on the floor. And so they're behind them as they're watching Toshiro and Simon uh, escape in front of them. I guess. I don't know. Um, Yeah, a little back and forth here between Arkoff and the guards. Now we focus on Toshiro and Simon. They go into a section of the hideout here that uh, Simon notes that the floor is wet and spongy and it's getting dark. Toshiro says, yeah, there's something else down here with us. I heard it when I was down here before. What is it? Simon asks. Shiro says, not it. Them. Lots of them. And at this point, Arkoff and Flint show up with them. Big flashlights so they can illuminate everything. Arkoff tells him, correct, old friend. And this is where we start to find out that Stringfellow was in part responsible for the Toshiro Hotachi Naganata clone uh, experiment thing. A lot of them. My failures actually care to see. And in the next panel, we have kind of a, a raised portion that they're standing on. And down below them, probably uh, six, maybe 12 to 15 feet is a lower area that has all these bodies that are malformed and whatnot kind of wandering around. Kind of like zombies, you know, you would run into that in, in The Walking Dead where they come up on a big group of zombies who are kind of pinned in because they're not able to climb or anything like that. Yeah, kind, kind of that kind of feel. Well, Arkoff shows him, and then as he turns back to Toshiro, he has drawn his sword and attacks, uh, cutting, shooking, uh, stabbing through the men until Arkoff has a chance to grab Toshiro by the collar. And let me take a look here. At some point, Toshiro... Toshiro's jacket becomes unbuttoned somewhere along the way. All of his buckles. There's like, what is there, four or five buckles on the front of this jacket. Uh, yeah, four of them. And somewhere along the way, he unbuckled all of them. I guess as he's escorting Simon around. I don't know. Because as 
Arkoff grabs him and picks him up, the the jacket flaps open. You know, like somebody has grabbed him by the collar and pulled him back, the the jacket will flap open because that's the image we see. And we see Toshiro immediately turn on Arkoff to try to, to free himself. But he doesn't. Arkoff instead throws him up against the wall here in this lower part of the castle, facility, whatever they're at, combo. And Arkoff then takes his big uh, lab jacket off that he's been wearing. And we see he's a bigger, much more angrier, grotesque almost kind of guy. I don't know if um, – well, no, it wouldn't be sumo, would it? Because he's a, he's a Nazi. So I, I don't know why he's this big, thick, rough and burly dude, but he's also brainy. Um, I guess for this confrontation, that's how they designed the character. But in – well, as – much of real life as you can uh, address with comic books, of course. I'm not sure why the big brawny muscular dudes would pursue that and would also pursue big brainy uh, kind of pursuits as well. I don't know. Unless you're going to be like the Kingpin in Marvel Comics. he's He trains sumo. You know, that's why he's big like that. But he, I wouldn't necessarily call him brainy, though. Eh, okay. So now we have a... Uh, hand-to-hand fisticuffs here by Arkoff and Tashiro. There's no weapons as Tashiro lost his sword when he got flung against the wall. Yeah, Don dropped your gun when you leapt in the wind, didn't you? Uh, for those of you that maybe are an Eddie Murphy fan. What you gonna do now? Yeah, kind of a throwback there. If you don't know Eddie Murphy and you don't recognize that, well then just overlook me as I reminisce and sound pretty goofy. Um, next page up here, we have a picture of the island with uh, several mechanized, motorized, uh, roboticized soldiers flying in. Apparently, these are the forces from the Naganata. Several of them land. Several of them are flying air escort. And we uh, we see one yell out, spread out, attack plan seven. Keep your eyes peeled for Kimura. That probably is going to turn out to be Hitachi if we find out who's in that suit. So now Arkoff has grabbed up uh, Toshiro, and he's he's giving him a big bear hug, uh, attempting to squeeze the life out of him. Simon runs up to do something, but Arkoff knees him and probably knocks him out. And then in the midst of that, there's a big boom, and a large uh, chunk of the floor falls away. And Arkoff falls, but Toshiro is able to grab the edge of the, uh, the remaining land, you know, where it separated and fell off. Ultimately, Simon pulls him on up to where they're reunited. But they find that Captain Flint is standing waiting for them gun drawn. So now he has a little tete-a-tete with Toshiro about how, ah, those, you know, those scientists, Arkoff, he didn't understand. We're, we're fighting men. We're, we're martial men. We, we understand each other. This will not be the last last we meet. I'm I'm glad we met. If not for Arkoff, we wouldn't have because you are a worthy opponent, and I am glad we met. And I will let you go because I will get you again later. Uh, again, I paraphrase, but basically that's the conversation that Flint has with Toshiro before he runs off. We cut back outside where we're off the coast in the boat, and we have Simon and... Homer Bentley and King John watching as the island is just being carpet bombed uh, by these flying roboticized mechanized uh, forces. And King John is watching through a set of binoculars and sees Toshiro and Simon appear on the beach attempting to uh, avoid all of the death and destruction. 
he they they are met by indeed Hotachi in one of these suits. Um, interesting little exchange here. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not really sure. We see that Hotachi has some sort of antagonism towards Toshiro, which I don't understand. Later on in the in the in this issue, um, they have an interaction, and I noticed that Toshiro keeps referring to him as kid, little brother. So maybe maybe that's part of what the antagonism is. The uh, let's see, next to last story page has a full page panel of the island blowing up these mechanized forces floating around in the air above them on the on the boat getting away is king john homer bentley simon professor stringfellow and kimura with homer bentley having a really weird uh, look on his face as he's driving off now i i'd have noticed in this issue homer wasn't drawn facially quite as goofy as he was in the first issue that was something that really stood out about him in that first issue is that he had a really goofy kind of visage that they often had on him uh here they don't he just is a dude with a just a particular face a very long face and then the final story page for this first story the narrator it's it's a full page spread panel as we're looking at Tashiro who is cut up a little bit a little bit bedraggled here from having survived that encounter and the narrator tells us bits and pieces of debris landed about the small boat from the destroyed island and the sea swelled in protest at the loss but Toshiro Kimura sat unmoving lost in thought for too long he has been someone else's man too many missions costing too many lives he's not gone unscathed Deep inside, he vows that the ordeal has ended. From this point on, I will live my own life as I've been taught as a samurai with honor. So he is resolved to, I guess, not work for the Naganata anymore. But given that there's another mm, 21 issues in this volume and another uh, like 10 to 13 issues uh, for, oh, uh, yeah, 10 to, well, 10 to 15 issues over three other volumes. I don't know what he's going to do. You know, he's got to do something to keep busy for that long. All right. We have two epilogues in this uh, issue. The the first is Toshiro and Bentley uh, walking down the street surrounded by skateboarders. And they're going back and forth a little bit. But mainly this is just uh, – well – it, the, this epilogue has a twofold purpose. One is to show that Homer Bentley uh, is he, he's got a sense of humor as he tells these skateboarders, one of which who bumped into him, that he, he'll show them how to skateboard and he takes off on the skateboard, leaving Toshiro alone so that Hitachi can come up. And the two of them have this very difficult, stilted conversation, uh, as I referred to. Toshiro refers to Hitachi as kid and little brother and, and some very demeaning things like that. Hitachi is not happy with Kimura, and now he's particularly not happy with the fact that Kimura has, uh, Kimura, uh, Toshiro has vowed to not work for the Naganata again anymore, uh, basically betraying and, and being a coward, which is something that Hitachi is not really next to. He, he can't understand that. The second epilogue is a scene, a couple pages, between Genin and Toshiro. Genin is his sister, who he had been living, uh, well, no, he had been hanging out with. He, he lived near her. She had the bar in the first issue, and he's been living you know, near her as he's working for. Who shows up here is Mr. Sun. 
an acupuncturist, which is where Toshiro has been working with. Um, he is up late waiting for Toshiro to come back home. And we see also waiting for Toshiro is a squadron of gentlemen or ladies, people, uh, dressed as ninja. And they're waiting because when he arrives, he dies. And so that is the final panel. Narrator tells us next issue, Secrets. Then here on the inside back cover, we have one, two, three, four, five, six letters. One here, though, the, the very first letter. On the morning of 23 September 1984, I was unwrapping my birthday present when I received Samurai Number 3 original series. Now, as far as I can tell, this volume of Samurai is the original series. This is the first series, okay? We've read one and just now read two. And Homer here, uh, Bob Richardson, says that he has issue number three. So if he has unwrapped issue number three, and he has sent a letter to issue number two, the, the time there doesn't, I, for some reason, it doesn't coalesce in my head the right way. Uh, I'm not sure. So, uh, but that, that's what the dude says. Uh, on Christmas of that year, I also got an issue of Samurai number one. So in September, he got issue three of the original series. We're reading issue two that came out in November. And then last year, which this is last year, for Christmas, he got issue number one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, as this is a Canadian publication, I'm, I'm not really recognizing any of these names or anything as being any of the better-known letter hacks uh, from other comics. So I don't know who they are. And then on the back page, we have a color drawing of Genin Kimura and Homer Bentley standing here near an exit. Homer is drinking. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's just leaving the bar, just coming into the bar. That's that's what's on there. So, um, even without trying, I, I you know I don't try to be the most critical reader when I read comic books. I, I just read comic books to yeah you know try to escape for fifteen twenty minutes at a time. Now this one, of course, I it's not just escape because I'm recording a podcast about it, but still I, I don't try to look for differences and, and pick things apart and stuff like that. The things that I mention that don't jibe with what I was already thinking, I just mentioned because at the time they stuck out to me. I, I'm not looking for them. You know, I'm not making note of all of the, the differences and things like that. They just really stand out. And so that's why I mention them. Uh, typically, as far as the story goes, anyways, I don't really take a whole lot of notes about the story. The only notes I take about creatives and dates and stuff like that. So anything that I uh, put out there as far as differences or stuff just occurs to me as I'm talking. It's not anything I planned in advance to bring up. So I, I don't know. There, there's several things, as I mentioned, which is why I'm on this little diatribe here, uh, that, that just stood out to me as being kind of different, didn't make sense compared to the first issue. Again, I'll, I'll admit perhaps a large part of that is just me. You know, maybe I missed some things or I could have forgotten. Like I said, it's been a little while since I recorded that previous episode on Samurai. So just, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying it for what it is. Um, the black and white art uh, by Barry Blair and company et al. Uh, is just, I, I really enjoy it. The shading, uh, quote unquote coloring. I, I really enjoy various techniques to, to, to show different shades. Uh, I like that. Um, the journey so far that we've seen in just two issues of Toshiro is interesting. Um, just 
the additional story elements almost seem seem like they're thrown in at the time, you know, rather than anything that has come from like a, a story Bible or anything like that that's been planned out ahead of time. So maybe Barry, when well, or Bruce, whoever is the is the main scripter, maybe they just sit down and, and write a story, and as they write story, they add elements, kind of like you know I said I do when I talk about this book compared to the last book, and they don't uh, necessarily pay attention to previously in you know kind of stuff. I don't know. So the the writing could tighten up a little bit. The art, there are some aspects of the art that could tighten up as well. At this point, you know, I don't know how long Barry Blair's been plying the trade. I'm, I'm not sure how accomplished he is. He's accomplished enough that I am interested, and uh, it is at a level higher than I've seen a lot of other people this early in their actual comic book career. So I think he's doing a pretty good job. All right, guys. Um, next time out, looks like we have a Pacific Comics book uh, to talk about. I'll be looking at Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers issue number three on tap. So that's what we'll be looking at next time. Catch you then, guys. Ciao.